Out of Stigma's Shadow is a podcast where young people talk openly and honestly about their struggles with mental health. A note here for sensitive listeners, some of these stories include mentions of self-harm and suicidal thoughts, and they may be emotionally challenging, painful, or difficult to hear. Discretion and self-care are advised. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide or experiencing a mental health or substance crisis, you can always dial 988 for connection to free 24-7 confidential support. Here's Rachel's story. My name is Rachel and I'm 22. I was a video and film major in college and I also minored in printmaking. At the age of 13, I started to develop my first eating disorder. I saw how bodies were supposed to look in media and I just knew that I wasn't, I didn't look that way. And it started to manifest in worthlessness and a deep depression full of lots of anxieties. There was a day that my mom caught me in a bulimic episode where I was in the bathroom and I was making myself throw up and she just knocked on the door and we had a conversation that ended up making me cry about how what I'm doing is hurting me and how I deserve better than what I'm doing to myself. And from that point on, I was able to have an open dialogue about how my body made me feel. And that took some amount of years because without my parents knowing, they didn't exactly help. They're both physicians and there's a lot of fat phobia tied to the medical community. Um, You can always be better. You can always be more fit. You can always eat better. And that learning curve for me and my family was a lot of listening and a lot of learning to understand how food and body image really affected me. And it took a while for it to really cement itself as something that was really important. My eating disorder got worse around the time that I was ending my freshman year of college. Um, I had my high school sweetheart break up with me, and that was a big blow to my self-esteem. Even though he was a really great guy, he just wanted me to be happy. I took it as my body is not good enough, and I became anorexic. And that caused a lot of health-related anxieties that I started to feel, which manifested into OCD and It was around this time that I tried psilocybin mushrooms for the first time, which I believe that there is a lot of medical benefits to psilocybin mushrooms, but I do not recommend anyone doing it on their own because there are a lot of negative consequences that could come with it if you're not in a proper environment. And mushrooms for me brought a kind of quiet clarity to a really busy brain that always had something negative to say about itself. And I remember when I was high, 
I felt the closest to God that I had ever felt because I heard silence for the first time, and that was a beautiful thing. Going into my sophomore year of college with this newfound connection to the universe, I was able to use this spirituality to help me get through hard times in my life. I eventually was able to overcome my eating disorder uh, by doing something called All In, which is um, eating to satiation every single day, um, not having any restrictions on food, and I went through a rapid weight gain, but it was in tandem with a lot more confidence than I had ever had before. And I think this is around the time that mania started to really manifest in my life, where I was up late at night, a lot of times doing schoolwork, so it was kind of masked by productivity. And I was also around this time diagnosed with ADHD and put on Adderall, which for individuals with bipolar can definitely spring on manic episodes because of the tendency to hyperfixate on certain things so that you're working for hours at a time. I didn't yet know that I was bipolar. I'll talk about that more in a few minutes, but this was something that didn't negatively affect me until I was out of college and I was taken away from structure. And I had just moved into my parents' house and there were boxes everywhere, which they wanted me to sort. And I had this kind of executive dysfunction where I would look at the boxes and I just couldn't figure out where to start even. So I decided to take my Adderall, but I didn't take just one. I took two and it felt great. I loved being able to get through the boxes. I loved being able to do certain tasks, but then I figured out that I couldn't stop. It was like being in a car without brakes, just going 80 miles an hour. And I would find myself being up at 2, 3 a.m., just talking to myself in my photo booth on my MacBook, just rambling on about ridiculous things because something about Adderall <laughs> when it's used with weed um, which I was doing you just have thoughts on thoughts on thoughts and you think that they're so profound and that everyone just needs to hear it and so that's what I was doing was I was recording for myself these amazing revelations that I was having and it didn't seem like a problem to me it felt good to be this smart individual that just had so much to say. This was around the time that I started to have these crazy kind of thoughts where when I found out that Queen Elizabeth died, I was like, oh my god. Her consciousness has gone into my body and just all these grandiose, narcissistic kind of strange thoughts. And 
this is the period of time where I think the psychosis kind of came in. I became obsessed with religious text and it got to a point where I was so paranoid that there were going to be people after me and my family that I was institutionalized for the first time. I probably was released sooner than I should have been. There was a time where I was in the emergency room waiting to get taken to the facility that I made myself slip and fall and hit my head because I was convinced that I needed to like I don't know, shift into a different space of consciousness. And when I hit my head that I would like wake up somewhere else. And I got labeled as a fall risk, which is a band that they put on your wrist. And when I got into the facility, I remember having this thought in my head that was like, bite it off, bite off the wristband. And I did. And I threw it away. And I don't think they ever realized that I had been a fall risk after that point because I didn't have the the correct labeling. And that's one of the reasons I think that I was released sooner than I needed to be. I had this kind of arrogance that I was kind of playing the system because I appeared better, but I was still having these kind of precocious, grandiose thoughts about being kind of psychic and... When I was released, I was put onto a drug called Abilify um, because I was diagnosed with bipolar one at this point. And Abilify is a great drug, but the problem is that sometimes when it's not balanced with the proper prescriptions, it can cause manic episodes in certain individuals. So for me, I was out in the world for about a week and I decided to use marijuana again. Not exactly good to pair with a new drug that I had been put on and I again felt as though there were people out to get me and my family and so I voluntarily admitted myself into a second institution and it was especially hard because I felt like I was being kind of taunted by the devil itself, um, which is really hard as someone who has a connection to spirituality to feel as though the devil is taunting you is like one of the worst feelings in the world. I was convinced that I wasn't going to get out of the facility because I thought that my family was going to be killed while I was in there. And it wasn't until getting a huge med adjustment, which was very necessary, that I started to really come to terms with the fact that everyone was safe and that my delusions were just delusions. So when I got out of the facility, I was also then put into an outpatient program, a day hospital where other individuals were there voluntarily and we would sit through group sessions where we would talk about radical acceptance and other kinds of coping skills. And this facility definitely helped me get to a point where I could be back in society and 
I started to subscribe to a psychological term called pronoia, which is instead of the thought that the world is conspiring against you, it is that the world is conspiring in your favor. And finding that I still have a love for spirituality, even though there was a time in my life where it felt like it overtook me to a point of my demise, I was able to come out on the other side and be okay. (sighs) To anyone out there that is struggling with mental health issues, I think my first piece of advice is to not feel like you are alone. There are so many people out there that struggle with similar things, and I think it's very important to understand that you are not broken. You've been listening to Out of Stigma's Shadow, a podcast that's part of an initiative to combat barriers to seeking behavioral health care by raising awareness, increasing visibility, and ending stigma surrounding mental health and substance use disorders. Out of Stigma's Shadow is a partnership of Jewish Community Services, Catholic Charities, MedStar Health, NAMI Metropolitan Baltimore, and Behavioral Health System Baltimore. Additional support for this project was provided by the Marilyn and David Karp Philanthropic Fund, Mitchell David Endowment Fund, and Joan G. Klein Fund for Substance Use Disorders. Music for Out of Stigma's Shadow comes from Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Aaron Henkin. I produce the podcast. Thanks for listening, and be well. Thank you.